The Start. On Demand. On demand. Surprise! It snowed. A lot. So it was a busy morning and a busy drive, but we still learned a lot about topics like sleep. There is a Winnipeg company that is looking to change the way you sleep by offering at-home sleep studies. So we'll speak with the CEO of Cerebra. We'll also speak with the sleep expert at the University of Manitoba. The crappy time change is coming this weekend, so we're all about to lose some sleep. Winnipeg's Jennifer Botterill is part of the first ever all-female broadcast team on Sunday, International Women's Day, for an NHL game in the United States. And Doc Walker is hosting a Doc Soccer Social. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, March 5th podcast for The Start. Hey, it snowed. A lot. When you sent that out yesterday, Brett, you texted us to, with an angry... Well, what emoji was that, by the way? That's angry... A, have you seen the in, the movie Inside Out? No. The Disney Pixar film where they, uh, they live in... I think it's called Inside Out. It's the one where they... It takes place inside this uh, girl's head, so all the characters are her different emotions. Oh. So that one is anger. So whenever he gets mad, his head explodes in flame. And uh, I kind of liken myself either to the Incredible Hulk, because Brett Smash, or that yeah. guy, because uh, I get mad a lot. Well, uh, briefly, you had sent that out. I thought that was actually... for. I paused for a few seconds thinking that emoji that you attached to the Environment Canada weather alert was their new way of communicating bad weather. <laughs> I was like, they didn't put this angry face on this snow uh, warning, did they? And I was like, no, that must be Brett. But that would be great if they started communicating with those sorts of emotions because all of us, when we saw that yesterday, that the snow was coming and thunderstorms possibility for Morden and Steinbeck, like all the craziness, we all just had that angry feeling. Well, because typically... Typically, we get a couple days warning on this stuff. It feels as though, yes, we'd had two or three centimeters of snow in the forecast for yesterday. And then overnight, we said we might get some more snow. But no gigantic totals. Nothing that had me going, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to fire up the snowblower one more time. But you might want to do that to clean the driveway and to clean your sidewalk today. Yeah, the drive-in for me was, I mean... None of the roads were impassable in Winnipeg, but uh, the only road that I drove, uh, sorry, the first road that I hit that actually had been plowed was Academy. So uh, Roslyn had not yet been plowed. And when I I point out that these roads had not been plowed, this isn't a condemnation or anything, just saying, hey. These are facts. Yeah. Roslyn hadn't been plowed yet. River hadn't been plowed. Wellington Crescent hadn't been plowed. Grosvenor untouched. Stafford, Harrow, all untouched. Academy was the first street that I got to that had been plowed. So, But none of the roads were impassable, but it was a slower drive-in. Uh, so definitely give yourself some more time this morning. It's going to be a, probably a lousy drive. We had mm-hmm. quite the welcoming committee when we oh got to work this morning. So, <laughs> I, Greg, I, I'm pulling into the parking lot, and Mackling has already gotten there. And he goes around the corner, and then he comes back out, and he says, security guard uh, says I shouldn't go in because the fire alarm is going off. And sure enough, I can hear it. So then we go up to the front door to see if Jeff Braun is outside. And the sprinkler is, it's not just sprinkling. It is a full-blown, like, fire hose gushing down to the ground. And we've put video on our 680CJOB Instagram if you want to see it. I've never quite seen anything like it and I've never quite heard anything like the fire alarm that went off inside this building my ears are still ringing and my head uh, it's kind of just it, this pain would there would that be weather related like is there anything to that I'm I, I, could be yeah I I didn't know what the heck I was looking at in that video I thought um there was like a hole in the roof 
Yeah, it looked like it looked like the the sprinkler at first glance it looked like the sprinkler had given way. Yeah. And then the, on the side of the building where I guess a fire hose would be attached, that was also that it was had also blown open and was gushing water. So the fire department had to come and do something. I don't know what they did to figure it out, but the fire alarm had been going off for, I think, 10 minutes for us, Greg, while we were here. Braun, I guess, had to sit through it for like 45 minutes. Thank goodness we have headphones aplenty in this establishment, <laughs> and we didn't really have to listen to it. Just put headphones on, a little bit of music, and you could hear it as a background noise, more of a annoyance than the actual sound. It is very loud. I guess they make it that loud so you don't stick around. <laughs> did it make you? Did you wake you up at least? Oh yeah, we were wide because awake after that. That's good. I think that's fitting because in addition to all the weather talk we're going to have today, and we have the city and the highways department coming on after seven to update us on our road conditions. We're talking sleep today, and uh, there's a new Manitoba company we're going to visit with after six thirty about maybe. Would you like someone to study you while you sleep or have an analysis of how you sleep so you can figure out? why you're not getting a good night's rest? I've done it. I had the overnight sleep analysis at Misericordia Hospital about a decade ago and found out a little bit about my horrific sleep patterns. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I I wake up, uh, I think uh, they said, I think it was multiple times per minute. Oh yeah, I have have Mm. like classic obstructive sleep apnea, but if I sleep on my side... That's it. No problem. Do you need one of those Darth Vader masks? No. If I sleep on my side, all my symptoms magically disappear. But doesn't that mean Jackie is responsible for rolling you over, like some sort of like in a like a livestock situation? Roll over because <laughs> you're on the back, like yeah, pushing so. you every. Like I, I just feel What's like every problem? five minutes. That's now. It's, well, now she's not sleeping. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> I'm pretty good at sleep. I don't like sleeping on my back anyway, so it's not a problem. Oh, good. So yeah, I, I don't I'm snore just imagining, at all. Roll over, roll over. Every 30 seconds from Jackie. Yeah, no, it's uh, not not a problem. So yeah, at 6.37, we're going to speak with this local company doing this particular sleep study, digital health company Cerebra, just like the name. Cerebra. Just the way you said that, I kind of, not uh, because you're putting me to sleep, it's just very soothing. (laughs) Well, speaking of soothing, our guest at 837 is one of our favorites on the subject of sleep. We usually end up talking to her uh, around time change season with the time change this weekend. Diana McMillan from the University of Manitoba is going to join us. She's a sleep expert, a sleep enthusiast. She's passionate about sleep, and she has perhaps the most soothing voice that ever graces our airwaves. I think that's accurate. Very accurate. Loren, would you concur? Oh, you, I feel like she should have that podcast that allows you to like just hit play, and she could talk. She could read a children's book, and he'd be like, "Here I go, I'm falling asleep." Yeah, and she then must- five minutes later, Jackie would say, "Roll over, roll over." <laughs> You're reminding me of Red I'm going to get a lot of joy out of this, actually. I know. This is going to be like your garage thing. It's my new make fun of Greg thing. You roll okay. over. I have to roll you over onto your back. Well, anything to have you move on from the garage thing. And uh, <laughs> at 6.45, we are going to talk. You found this thread on Twitter yesterday, Greg, and I'll, I'll uh, put it out on our 680 CJOB Instagram story shortly here. But it's uh, it just 
sort of random elementary school favorite memories. And from old school, school, different things, uh, different pieces of equipment, different toys, different things that you might have found in your classroom once upon a time. The overhead projector, I've said this before, was, uh, you know, the original PowerPoint presentation. And uh, there's a whole string of them that'll have you going, I remember those, I remember, oh, I did, oh, yeah, those are great. So uh, where are you going to put those up? I'll put that up on the 680 CJOB Instagram story. There will be a link to the Twitter thread where you can have a look at that. Now, Loren McNabb, we want to talk about probably one of the things that all three of us do not get enough of, and that is sleep. Yeah, and it's we can blame the shift, I suppose, for part of that. But I don't think we're alone. I think it's a growing concern for many Manitobans who are just can't get a good night's sleep or get a, get to sleep and can't stay asleep or you're tossing turn throughout the night and you can't figure out why. And I know those all sound familiar to many people who are listening to us this morning. And if they do sound familiar... Our next guest has an answer. He wants to study you, (laughs) or perhaps more appropriately, give you the tools to study yourself, or at least your sleep. So what we're talking about is a homegrown Winnipeg-based business. It's by the company Cerebra, and Dawson Reimer is the CEO, and he joins us now. Good morning, Dawson. Good morning. Before we get into anything, I need to just let our listeners know that you are actually, you're, you're from Winnipeg, but you're calling in from BC, so it's... 4.38 4.38 there this morning. What what the Why on earth would you agree to this early morning interview? Apparently, you think this is good for you? Well, actually, I am breaking, I think, the whole thing about uh, paying attention to our sleep. I decided I'm just going to stick to my Manitoba time zone, and it makes me smile when I hear there's uh, 27 meters of snow out there in some places. <laughs> so feeling pretty fine in Victoria right now. So I know we get this advice all the time about when you travel uh, around the world and maybe you're going uh, to Europe as a prime example. You're supposed to try and get onto that schedule, that time zone, as quickly as possible. Is that counterintuitive to what you're suggesting, Dawson? Well, this was a super, super short trip. I was only going to be out here for uh, one night, so it was easier to stay on Manitoba time zone. But paying attention to your time zone, where you are, is absolutely the right way to do it. There's some neat apps out there. Uh, there's better and better education tools um, as people become aware of how important sleep is to your health and your mental performance and, and, and even other uh, clinical conditions. So what are you guys doing in terms of this sleep study, the way that you measure? Like you say that you're changing cer- Cerebra, or as I said earlier, mm-hmm. Cerebra. Great name. Yeah. Changing the and our understanding of sleep and helping us do it right in our own homes. Yeah. So, what are you guys doing? Yeah. So that uh, this is a uh, this this concept of changing the way we measure sleep um, is something that I think is more intuitive, and makes sense to a person who works in the sleep field, and maybe doesn't make as much sense to a person. But I think I can uh, uncover that a little bit. A person who doesn't know the industry. The way, you know, a person would think I'm going to go to a sleep lab and I'm going to finally learn about how my sleep works. And you know, no, people aren't going to want to do that. A, it's hard to get into a sleep lab. B, a sleep lab affects your sleep. You know, people are, don't, aren't excited to sleep there. All the same, that's the place where sleep is measured. They must do it well. The, the way in which sleep is measured in clinics and labs around the world uses manual reading of these squiggly little lines that that were set up in the 1960s before there were computers. They're the rules that were set for how a technician decides what's happening in your sleep 
are really outdated and, and don't really reflect the natural dynamics of sleep. They're subjective. Um, it's done in 30-second blocks, and it sort of ran, assigns um, very crude uh, statements about your sleep. There were no objective metrics for measuring sleep, and there's lots of things that happen to sleep, one of which that people understand is how deep do you sleep. Another would be is how sensitive is my sleep to disturbances, uh, and there's a whole bunch more I could go on um, our company has, and we're already a world leader in this, uh, objective digital metrics for what's happening in your sleep and gives gives both the clinician some objective tools that, that can measure the true dynamics of sleep. And and what we've done with Cerebra's online site, Cerebra.health, is you can actually get these for yourself. It's it's like what you get in the sleep lab. We give you the same stuff that happens in the sleep lab, but it's that's the old way. We also give you the new way, which is really better than what you get in the sleep lab. What does this say just about this industry as a whole, that the, 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 the craving to have that good sleep has resulted in companies like yourself and other, like we know sleep labs are really mm. busy right now. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, it's hard to get into them. They're doing good work, but people are really increasingly looking for those answers. That says something, I think, about where we are at as a society, that we're perhaps not willing to put up with the five to six hours and say, oh, that's good enough anymore. Yeah, a huge percentage of people will actually self-report, and I think I probably always have, but just a, a, to an increasing extent, people will say, I struggle with sleep. Something like 45% of Canadians, um, according to StatsCan, will say, at any point in time, I'm struggling with sleep. And uh, yeah, I, I, I do think we see that also. Online ads, uh, late-night ads, uh, in print media all over the place, uh, sports teams paying attention to it, it's hitting us. The, the barrage of media is making society uh, hyper aware more than ever of the importance of sleep. And the um, problem is it's not really very good tools. Well, and I think uh, to a great extent, whenever we have conversations about preventing disease, we hear about diet, we hear about exercise, but I, I think sleep should be on that list with those two things in terms of preventing all sorts of uh, different things that ALS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In, and it's getting there. I, I'd say just let's do this. Let's do this radio call in, in maybe three or four years. Even it's happening really, really fast. The papers are coming out all in almost any clinical field, uh, dementia, and we actually have some of our digital metrics that we've already published some paper on with top people in the world about um, stuff we can see in your sleep that uh, appears to be linked to uh, progression to dementia, cognitive impairment. Um, uh, the cancer, your cancer cells, the things that that uh, lead to cancer are accelerated if you're not sleeping and are toned down when you do sleep, uh, cardiovascular disease, and then mental health. Um, I think it maybe is intuitive and obvious, but people forget about that. Sleep isn't actually an addressable target to go after um, depression, um, almost any psychological disorder. And I could go on into inflammation and arthritis and, and on and on and on. Sleep is in the pathway. It's an addressable endpoint in clinical conditions, and it's been ignored. People are used to thinking about what you eat and your exercise, but there's a third leg to this little stool about how your health is, and it's the obvious one. It's actually your sleep, and and it's uh, there's a whole industry around those other two legs of the stool. I think the third leg of the stool is going to get some attention here soon. So these tests that we do at home, do we have to hook up a whole bunch of doodads to ourselves before we go to bed? <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, you do have to hook something up. So what, what you're talking, I think, about now is, is our study at Uh We have uh, two different types of studies we sell. The one with 
if you use your term doodads, it's not actually a technical term, I don't think. But, <laughs> Are you um, sure about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure to check with the other guys there if they think it is. Um, so there's something called complete, which is uh, which is what it sounds like. It's a complete study, like what you get in a sleep lab. It's not actually that hard to put on. I think for some people it can be intimidating if you see a picture of, but it's it's actually our feedback is continuously that people um, sleep well and and can apply it. We have over ninety percent success rate on first time with a new with a new user. Um, you you put a, a few electrodes on your head, and that doesn't sound that scary. Really, it's a sticker. Think of it as band-aids in a couple of small spots um, to measure your EEG. And then you have a belt around your chest, which is an easy, comfortable cloth belt, which measures your breathing effort. Um, and there's just a very thin cannula by your nose, which measures your air. It says, this person has stopped breathing or not. Two little stickers on your shins to measure whether your legs are kicking. And then um, a little uh, rubber cup on your finger to measure your oxygen levels. This is what happens in a sleep lab. Our system is... Um, designed to be self-applied in your own home. And it's it's bringing the sleep lab to your home when you do complete. And it takes a little bit of time to set up, but I'll, I'll take it over going to sleep lab. And if you really want to understand your sleep in a way that a doctor can take the information and do something about it, you get the information yourself too in a fun way. And we should chat about that. Cerebra.health is the website. Cerebra.health. And then there's a simpler version, which we just launched yesterday. And uh, initial uptake was pretty good, actually. So I'm excited about it. Uh, it's just called Sleep. And it's just the stickers on your head for measuring your sleep and the little cup on your finger. And it just takes a couple of minutes to put on and, and it's easy to sleep with. And, and compared to going to a sleep lab to measure your sleep, to start to compare stuff, it's, it's a whole lot easier. And you can do it at home. Dawson Reimer is the CEO of Cerebra, a Winnipeg company that wants to change the way you sleep. If you go to the website right on the home page, they ask the question, suffering from poor sleep, not sure where to start? Take the quiz. Dawson, thank you so much for joining us at 4.30 a.m. in B.C. We very much appreciate the time, sir. Yeah, thanks. Enjoy the snow. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun is here, Kelly Moore, Jeff Forte. Mackling, you sent us a really entertaining Twitter thread yesterday. What was it about? Well, it had to do with some of the things that maybe, well, if you went to school, you remember this stuff. And I'm trying to get onto my onto my Twitter feed here. I just came across a very inspirational tweet and uh, was going to react to it. But this tweet, I just <laughs> sent you're out prepared. to it. Yeah, well, hey, this happens. Uh, GMACA, Winnipeg, G-M-A-C-K, W-P-G, and I sent it out, bringing back the weird memories from elementary school. And it goes through, and it's bizarre because the first thing of probably the first dozen that they show, I don't know what they're referencing. It, Finger in the in the grout line of yeah. the bricks. I don't know what that was, but everything else is good. Everything from these smelled so bad and were probably washed once a year. Pennies. Remember having to wear the penny in phys ed? What to, is a penny? Yeah. So if you didn't have the, not everybody wore the same color shirt. Like shirts or skins. So, uh, so yeah. You do skins. <laughs> yeah, we used to do shirts or skins, and then they realized that was probably not a good idea. So the penny was just something you could throw on over your gym clothes, and then that way you mm. could divide into jeans. Yeah, it's yeah. basically, well, yeah, sort of a jersey. Very loose. Uh, recorders. And, of course, scooter soccer. Who could forget scooter soccer? No? Don't know what that means. Well, I know the scooters. 
a scooter soccer. Yeah, you sit with on the, the little the, slider, the little square with the wheels on yeah. it. Yeah, like the, the mechanic yeah, goes yeah, into the car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you just race those different markers and the bumper cars. Racers and the, Brett. What was your thing that was on the list that that you wish you had had, but you admitted to never asking for? So this it says if you had these, you were cool. And it's those pens, those big sort of chunky pens that have like seven or eight different colors. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So where you flick them <laughs> on the bottom, and then it, yeah. it shoots out the purple or the red or the yeah. I always wanted one, but I never got one. But I don't think I ever asked for one. Those like things would, they jam up all the time. Yeah, too, so, and the yeah. ink would dry out and would never work. Yeah. But they were still cool. They were cool. Oh. <laughs> I, had a four, I had a four-color one. Oh, did you? Yeah. The green, the black, the red, and the blue. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those. I don't think expensive? I ever had those, though. Uh, well, hey, anything more than nine cents for a pen, you weren't allowed it. <laughs> At least in my house. Boy, I'll tell you what, though. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to... Asked because in our house we had to keep the remember the note totes with the you know the velcro tab that you would open up your binder yep, with yep. it would like now keep those all your fancy. stuff. Uh, we we were allowed to have one of those and it had to last five years. And I swear to you, I still have my dictionary from grade three because it was like thirty bucks back in I don't know nineteen eighty five or whatever. And I my still, parents yeah. were like, "You're going to keep this until university." <laughs> That's how much money this is. And I so I still have it. So. I still have my French English dictionary. That thing it's got the f word in it. Really? Oh, yes. Wow. I underlined yes. it and dog taped that page. Growing up in Altona and you had that? Ooh. Does it have a white seal. cover? Nope. Okay. I was oh. wondering if we had the same one. <laughs> what about a duo tang? What the heck was that? They still Two tangs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those are still them. a thing, my friend. <laughs> duo tang Oh, yeah. Points. Michael Points. Have, that's on the Why list. have a binder? Well, because you need to... <laughs> it annoy you. Because binders could break down, and a duotang was for smaller documents that you could add, and you could make your yeah. own personalized little bah. booklet. Come on, Jeff Forche. Yeah. Duotangs were the best. Kelly Moore? You know, I, but then... No, go ahead, Loren. No, I was just going to say, but then you had to get the reinforcements, like those little round the white reinforcements, things to control right. the rips and the, on your pages from exactly. the duotang. Yeah. Okay, the sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. What are your memories? <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know if it would be allowed now, but I remember in the basement of Princeton Elementary was like Little Las Vegas because we all had marbles and gumballs and that. And like all I can remember is walking down the stairs. And all of this noise and din, because like, uh, but the older kids, they come, remember the Steelies? Yeah, of course. So you'd have your hard-earned gumball there. You'd be sitting there, you know, with your legs in a V, and and they'd lean over, drop the Steely on your gumball, and absolutely smash it to smithereens. <laughs> oh, I was just, I was just practicing. And the marbles and the Crocs and everything. Yeah. Best. Well, let us know at 204-780-6868, your favorite elementary school memories be they good or bad or maybe weird. At 6.37 this morning, we heard from a Winnipeg company called Cerebra. They're doing, they're offering at-home sleep studies. So instead of going to a lab, you can just take the test home and do it to help you figure out what is going on while you are sleeping. And of course, we've got the time change coming this weekend, the bad time change, the one we all hate. And so this is a time of year where we like to check in with our friend Diana McMillan, who is an associate professor at the University of Manitoba and a sleep expert. Diana, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. So if I were to say, answer the question of the day, how much sleep do you get on a nightly basis? I fall into the under five hours category. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not good. Why is that not good? 
Well, uh, you know, most adults need about seven to nine hours, uh, and certainly more if you're um, if you've got uh, a flu or you know you've been injured. But most of us need between about seven to seven to nine hours. And uh, so what we find is if we're not getting you know sort of at least the seven hour mark, um, our our body is accumulating a sleep debt. And uh, we're we're not as alert. We're not uh, able to learn as well. We're likely more uh, apt to get uh, whatever flu bug is is going around because our immune system is compromised. Um, we're crankier, <laughs> more anxious. Lots of things that uh, we none of us want uh, to have going on. We were having a conversation uh, with a sleep expert uh, earlier launching this new app and uh, an ability to uh, monitor your sleep patterns from home. Uh, How in-depth has this science become, Diana, with regard to understanding not only how much or probably how little we sleep, and uh, are we tricking ourselves sometimes in terms of the type of rest that we get? Can we be sleeping and not resting? Well, um, there is a difference between sleeping and rest, and and rest can be helpful too, but it's not the same. Uh, And we're learning more and more about um, how important really good quality and sufficient quantity of sleep is. So, you know, people might sleep three hours solid, but that's certainly not enough sleep to to really uh, give us Uh, sort of the refresh reset that we need and other people sleep maybe 10 hours but they're tossing and turning all night and and that's uh, not not great either. Um, What we've found uh, as time has gone on is that um, we're uh, we're learning more about how important it is for us to get both what we call uh, REM or rapid eye movement sleep and also non-REM or non-rapid eye movement sleep. These are the sort of the main sleep stages and how different things happen in our body based on those uh, states that we're in. For example, we secrete growth hormone uh, primarily when we're sleeping and growth hormone is not only important for growth, but it's also critical for tissue repair, so repairing our cells on a daily basis. And we need, we really need that. Um, we also found um, about three or four years ago, there was a discovery that uh, we have a glymphatic system. So maybe some of your re- uh, vi- listeners have heard of a lymphatic system. I'm not, I don't have a speech impediment here. Um, and, and what happens, uh, they've discovered there are channels that run deep into your brain that are only open during sleep. And uh, they help to allow sort of a pressure washer of a good um, flush of, of the toxins out of your brain uh, and a nice influx of, of good um, nutrients and materials in so that you are as cognitively alert and able to think really clearly. And so if you're impairing your sleep, you're not opening those channels. And, um, you know, at the extreme end of things, you can, you know, the patients uh, that I might work with in ICU end up having things like delirium, which is a pretty uh, scary thing. You mentioned that idea that someone could have 10 hours and still not feel good or or six hours and sort of that different benchmark for all of us. And I think that's interesting that you say that because uh, I know lots of people, myself included, I could have had a sleep from, you know, midnight to 7 a.m., get my seven hours in my old job and feel 
fine. And on this one, get the same amount of hours, say from nine to 4 a.m. or eight till 3 a.m. and not feel the same. So is there, is there a timing issue at play too when it comes to sleep as to when the best window is to get those eight hours of sleep? Yes, and that's a really great question, Lauren. And what we found, um, because of the work, the research that's been done related to shift work, uh, um, is that really we're um, humans are night sleepers, right? So our best sleep happens when it's dark and cool, a little cooler. And so for those individuals, uh, and I mean, I have lots of other healthcare professional colleagues of mine, um, nurses, fire paramedics, uh, physicians, all of those, we, we, we know we need them 24-7. Uh, but we also know that anybody who is working at night um, and needing to sleep during the daytime um, is going to have more challenges. And their quality of sleep and the quantity of sleep that they're able to get, even for an eight-hour period isn't going to be as good. And so uh, things like a short nap, if you have a a safe um, uh, place and time to have a break um, during your shift, um, can can be helpful for some individuals. Um, But uh, yeah, that's not always possible. So we have to really try to prioritize our sleep when we can during the days when we're sleeping at night, and also during the daytime sleep that we have to get if we're working night shift. If we need to sneak in a nap, is there an ideal sort of maximum? Because I know for me, if I tend to sleep longer than even 45 minutes, I feel like uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm the walking dead when I wake up. Right. And what you're talking about is uh, something called sleep inertia. And that's that feeling like you're almost sort of punch drunk, is that kind of, you know, really dopey uh, almost. Um, And so most of the time I would recommend not more than, say, 20 to 30 minutes um, if you're having a nap. And um, actually, this sounds a little bit odd, but what I recommend uh, to my colleagues who work nights is, you know, go to the bathroom, have a cup of coffee. Now, this sounds counterintuitive, but have a quick cup of coffee then go for your nap for 20 minutes, 30 minutes max, um, and then the caffeine will have kicked in uh, at, after those 20, 30 minutes, and then you have still, you know, 10, 15 minutes, splash some water on your face before you actually have to go back to your shift, um, and you're, um, you know, you won't have uh, be as likely to enter sleep inertia. The caffeine will give you that little perk because we have a buildup of adenosine uh, as we are awake, and uh, caffeine is a, a bit of an, an uh, adenosine antagonist. That gives us a little perk, and we get over that sleep inertia by being awake about 10 to 15 minutes before we have to go back to, to shift. Later than 45 minutes, um, you run into that inertia, but you also may disrupt your ability to sleep uh, when you are, um, you know, trying to sleep at night or, um, you know, if you're a shift worker during your block of sleep in the daytime. So, Diana, one of our listeners, I, I think this is a great point uh, that he makes. I can't take credit for this question, but he points out that sleep deprivation is a form of torture. There's a reason for that. Yes, Um well, I mean, we we don't do well. It is a it is has been historically, um, tragically used as as a form of torture, uh, and um, we know that 
um, animals, uh, you know, if they have been sleep deprived, um, will develop, if say rats or something, they get ulcers on their paws and tails and, and eventually they'll die. And for um, humans, we know that we very quickly, within, you know, 24, 48 hours, start to uh, really lose our ability to focus. We're, we're having these micro-sleeps where we fall asleep at the wheel, even though cognitively we would know we would hurt ourselves or someone else. Um, sleep is an incredibly, or then sleep drive, is an incredibly powerful force. Um, and we absolutely must make it a bigger priority than we do as a society. And uh, so I, I like to use this clock change time, although I'm not really that supportive of a clock change anymore, but I, used to, I like to use it as a, a time for us to wake up and think about how to reprioritize sleep into our lives. Diana McMillan is with us. She is an associate professor at the University of Manitoba. She is a sleep expert. And Greg, you had a great question as it pertains to the time change coming this weekend. Every time we discuss this, we get an email, a text message about this private member's bill that was put forward. Don't fall for that. That did not get passed by the Manitoba legislature. It's not going anywhere. It's on our radar, though, Diana. A lot of people, you mentioned it, would like to see the time change go away. But which time change would be the last? time change? Oh, I'd, uh, I, I wish I had definitive um, evidence to support which direction. Um, we're still, it, what we, what's clear is we should stop um, switching uh, our time, like switching our clock times. Um, what is not completely clear is, depending where you are, um, whether you should be staying on the uh, savings time uh, completely or on standard time. There is some evidence to show that having early morning light may be really the most important, but uh, as you may appreciate, depending on where your major city is, where the time uh, zone changes happen, um, it may it may actually be better to stay with daylight savings. I think uh, BC is going to have their last clock change uh, this year, and um, I think they're going to be staying with daylight savings, for example. Is it time to make this a public health argument, Diana? Diana, with all the knowledge about you know what lack of sleep does for us, we've often talked about the time change in the context that we just like to have more light or less light, or the drive could be safer, or it's good for farmers or bad for farmers. There's been all sorts of economic talk, but at the end of the day, it sounds like we're saying pushing this hour ahead and then behind is, is really hard on our bodies, and we should be coming at it from a health angle that it's not working for us. Absolutely, it isn't actually. Um, and so there are small but significant uh, increases in accidents uh, for both the spring and the fall clock changes. Um, and in part, it's because our bodies really like to have a constant uh, sleep and wake time. And um, so when we are disturbing that circadian rhythm, we sort of feel a bit off and some people feel off, a bit sort of uh, tired, more fatigued uh, for several days. Other people are, are, you know, maybe more able to adapt to that clock change very readily and sort of don't really think too much about it. But we do see that um, there are more accidents, uh, more hospital uh, admissions, um, increases in uh, maybe even pedestrian accidents. It, and all, part of it is 
because of maybe uh, in the fall that it's uh, uh, darker at night or in the spring because it's, you know, maybe a little more slippery on the roads in the morning. People are rushed. That's a big, maybe a big problem on Monday. Um, but it's also because we're tired and we're already a society that is overly tired. We are chronically sleep deprived from our young kids through our teenagers to adults. Diana McMillan is an associate professor at the University of Manitoba. That's all the time we have. We can always use more time with you, Diana, but thank you so much for joining us. We love, love when you visit with us. Well, thank you so much. I hope everybody uh, makes sure that they get some good sleep over the weekend, a lot of exercise. Don't rush it on Monday. Stay, stay safe and sleep well. Diane McMillan, Associate Professor, University of Manitoba, sleep expert, joining us live on 680 CJOB. the subject of hockey hey it's canada's national winter sport such a gigantic part of our culture there are numerous hockey moments which are synonymous with national pride the vancouver olympic games were 10 years ago and produced what is known as the golden goal from Sidney crosby there's paul henderson series clinching goal in the canada ussr summit series and countless hockey related moments in between before and since women's hockey has seen its share of historical moments brett and loren the canadian women's hockey team also won gold at the olympics in vancouver there was the third period comeback from two nothing versus the u.s in the 2014 olympic games who remembers the americans hitting the post on the empty net only to see Canada tie the game with 55 seconds left and win gold in overtime. And of course, here in Winnipeg, there was the 2007 World Women's Hockey Championships. This Sunday, as we celebrate International Women's Day, there's another monumental moment for women in hockey. So last week, we were telling you about how our own hockey analyst, Leah Hextall, will provide the play-by-play as an all-women's broadcast and production crew will, for the first time ever, present an NHL hockey game broadcast. Well, also joining forces will be fellow Manitoban who, among a long list of accomplishments, is a three-time Olympic gold medalist, Jennifer Botterill. And Jennifer joins us now. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. Great to have you back with us, Jennifer. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure. It's nice to connect with you. uh, You know, uh, of course, Leah's going to be doing that play-by-play on that game on Sportsnet here in Canada. You're going to be on the crew with NBCSN, which is absolutely spectacular. Talk about when you found out about this. Thank you. Yes, well, NBC had, had reached out. I would say about a month ago with their their plans for uh, the celebration of International Women's Day. And they asked if I wanted to be involved in some capacity. And I said, absolutely. I was very intrigued. Uh, So I have the opportunity to do the in-studio analyst role uh, for the game on Sunday. So it's a Blackhawks and Blues game on Sunday, uh, but it's uh, an all-women's cast. So from host to analyst to play-by-play and color and even the producer and the director uh, are all female. So it's uh, I think all of us on the team are really looking forward to the opportunity. When you speak about the, the preparation that goes into every single game and, and the work that you do already, Jennifer, I, I know that you're a diligent worker. You're, you've been doing this for years. You love what you do already. But is there something extra special about this opportunity and having just be able to look around the room Sunday and, and see an all-woman cast, not just the people beside you, but so much the camera people and the producers? I mean, that's pretty incredible. It is, and and it is. I I know all of us involved. We've been communicating quite a bit leading up to it through 
conversations and emails and texts and and there is no doubt a shared excitement and i think all of us are are making sure that we're preparing you know as well as we possibly can to provide you know a really qual high quality excellent show and you know we all feel that it's it's just a nice chance to showcase um women in, in business and sport and opportunity and the way that I've, I've often been describing it is I feel the same way about girls playing hockey, that not everyone has to play, but I really love that it's a choice now in North America. And I think this broadcast is a chance to just show females that you know, not every person has to be involved in, in television or sport, but it's nice to demonstrate that that is a choice and should be an option for everyone. Um, so I think that's something that, that we're all just uh, you know, really thrilled to, to showcase on Sunday. Jennifer, I wanted to ask you about uh, the language. When it was first revealed uh, that this was happening on NBCSN and then later happening on uh, Sportsnet here in Canada, uh, the headlines all referred to an all-female team. And a couple of listeners said, why do we have to say all-female? I never say I'm going out with my females, uh, my friends. I just say, why can't we just say women? Uh, so I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Oh, I, I don't think that's a, a big um, part of it. You know, I, I think for it's just for people, they want to create awareness for, for this. And I, I don't believe that's a huge storyline. I know that for, for all of us involved, we're just excited to, to showcase talent uh, and skill and provide the highest quality. So I think this is just an opportunity for the celebration of International Women's Day. I think it's just a great chance to increase that awareness and hopefully provide you know, girls and women and females, you know, great choices for their lives and their careers, you know, moving forward and, and in the future. Jennifer, you've been working on New York Islander broadcast for some time, for some time now. Pardon me. So uh, this door has been open to you for, for a little while, at least. Yeah, you know, and it's great to see the, the networks that are, are supporting you know, women in, in, in opportunities. And this is my second season with the Islanders. The MSG Network has been very supportive. They brought myself and uh, AJ Malesko in uh, to do the analyst role. So we do the pregame shows, we do intermissions, and we're often standing between the benches uh, during the game to do segments. Uh, so a role that typically, you know, hasn't been held uh, by women in the past. But uh, they showed that they, you know, had the, the trust and the confidence in us and our knowledge and insight and our perspective to share with viewers. Uh, so I think both uh, AJ and I feel, you know, very fortunate. We've been, you know, enjoyed uh, the role. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful that it becomes a, a more common choice uh, for women in a, a number of different situations connected with broadcasting and sport. You know, Jennifer, I had said when it was announced that you were going to be doing this game, the all-female broadcast, and same goes for Leah Hextall on the Canadian side. I had mentioned, you know, I turn on the TV now, and no matter what sports, uh, Sportsnet or TSN or NBC or whatever I'm watching, I just increasingly see so many women that, I, unlike 20 years ago where it would have stood out, it is now just what we come to expect, and I mean that in a great way. But I'm curious mm -hmm. from your end, when you walk into a newsroom or uh, the sports booth or you're, you're doing a show, are you still seeing far more men than women involved in that side of the sport, the production side, the broadcast side? Yes, right now that's still the case that there are uh, more men involved. And, you know, I, I haven't shared the space between the benches with an, another female yet, but I, I'm looking forward to that. And, and I do believe that networks are, are moving in the direction of just finding qualified people 
right? It's not about uh, gender. It's just people that can provide, you know, quality um, uh, quality work. And and that's something, again, where if you look in Canada, you know, Chris Simpson, who works for Sportsnet, and Cassie Campbell-Pascal, you know, have, have done groundbreaking work to, to create new opportunities. And, and as I mentioned, MSG, you know, hired, you know, two of us to share the role as analysts, you know, so uh, that's something that's, that's been well received. And, and I, I think every season that I'm involved in the sport in some capacity, I'm seeing more females in various roles, whether it's behind the camera, between production or on the administration side or the executive side of, of, uh, of the sport. Uh, so I think it's very encouraging. Do we still have work to do? Yes, I believe we do. But I do see the opportunities growing for women and coming into those roles and doing an outstanding job. So I think the biggest thing, again, is, is providing women with those choices to know that it is an option for them and they can do really great work. Not a surprise at all. Jennifer Bottrell on the front lines of bringing women's hockey to the next level. Proud Manitoban, proud Winnipegger. Jennifer, always great to get some time with you. Good luck on Sunday. Not that you need it. Oh, thank you very much. Nice to chat with you. Right now, Greg Mackling, we start this half hour. It's being billed as Doc Soccer. We like a good pun around here, don't yes. we? And so that certainly fits the bill. It's a fundraising social in support of the Bonnie Vital under 13 boys, or the U13 boys, as they say in uh, sports these days. They're a soccer team who have an opportunity to compete and train. Get this, Brett. In the UK, they're going there this August to get a behind-the-scenes look of how they do things in Great Britain. It's an exciting opportunity for a fine group of young men. And uh, this is an exciting opportunity for all of us joining us to tell us about tomorrow night's event are Dave Wasselu and uh, Brent Perrin of multi-CCMA and Juno award-winning Canadian country artist Doc Walker. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. 9.35 on a... On a Thursday morning, this is parental. These are parent hours, right? Yeah, these yeah. are outside the, the the world of rock and roll. No, so. these aren't musician hours by any means. <laughs> no. No. So we appreciate it very much. And, you know, you're building this as a full concert. So th- th- we're going to get the full experience tomorrow night at Cowboys? Absolutely. The full yeah. Monty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah, full Doc Walker show. It's a uh, full band, full hour and a half. Happy hour and a half, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. No, no doubt. Now, I was mentioning just a tiny bit, just a little bit of a taster, a, an appetizer, if you like, for what the boys are going to see uh, heading over to Great Britain. What are they going to see? Um, they're going to see Great Britain. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they will see Great Britain, but they're also, obviously, um, with this thing's an entire soccer tour, so they're going to be doing uh, matches. Um, it's an exhibition matches in... Manchester, London, and Liverpool. Uh, they're doing training sessions uh, with pro clubs. They're doing uh, training at the London Academy, Soccer Academy, one of the biggest. I, I think it is actually the biggest in the world, from what I'm told. Um, they're When they're in Manchester, they'll be training with the Manchester United uh, coaching staff wow. at their stadium. Old Trafford. Yeah. Isn't that cool? No kidding. And, uh, and, and, and as well as others. And then there's also a bit of a cultural aspect of like they're going to do sightseeing and stuff that's built into this whole thing. So it's a whole tour to, you know, to play and to immerse themselves in a bit of different soccer culture than what they're used to and see what, the way it's done in Europe. 
I can surmise the connection here, but why is Doc Walker performing, er, helping to raise funds for these boys? <laughs> uh, well, uh, my son is on the soccer team. <laughs> so, uh, and Brent has never asked us for a favor in his life, so this was a big one. And he <laughs> yeah, I blew it all in one, one shot. <laughs> Can't ask anything ever again. Um, yeah, so we were trying to come up with fundraising ideas because obviously to send an entire team and coaches and everything over to... England in the middle of summer is, is, is a costly affair. Um, that being said, you know, being the trip of a lifetime, so to speak, we wanted to make it happen. So looked into a lot of fundraising ideas. And one of the things that, you know, some, some parents are going, well, maybe my work can, you know, we can do this or that. And well, my work is playing music with these guys. So I... You know, I just asked them, would they be cool and maybe doing, you know, helping me out and, and throwing this social to, you know, to do a fundraiser like this and, and try to use the music as my contribution, I guess. Dave, you've had such incredible success uh, and, and we highlighted just a, a tiny little bit of it. This is a really grassroots sort of thing, which ties back to how you guys started in the first place, doesn't it? It is. Well, Manitoba socials and wedding socials and things like that. That's where we, we cut our teeth for sure. It was... Uh, uh, you know, I think it was before we even graduated to being a bar band. <laughs> we were a social wedding band almost, I guess. So it, uh, it's kind of neat to go back to the roots and and, uh, and re- hopefully raise some money for these kids. You mentioned the bar band. And I, when I was going to the bar, there would be bands playing all the time. Is that still the culture? Because I, I don't go out no, anymore. Drink not. prices, you know, I, I think back in the day when you could, used to be able to have a buck of beer and stuff, you can get people out on a Monday night or a Wednesday night and stuff like that. And then, of course, you'd have have uh, entertainment. Uh, I think that kind of stopped, of course, uh, you know, with minimum drink prices and, and things like that. Yeah, and uh, with the, uh, they brought in a law, there used to be a law in Winnipeg, which was great for live music, was that you had to have, in order to have a cabaret license, to be open after one o'clock, you had to have live music. So there was live music everywhere. And then they changed that, that uh, rule to include uh, DJs a few years back. And I'm not trying to diss DJs, but um, but they're cheaper than bands. Yeah. But yeah, and so a lot of a lot of places went well. You know, we we can just ha- have one guy and a and a laptop, and as opposed to paying an entire band, and so that really brought down the amount of of uh, places to work out there. So yeah, I always wonder what comes first in a situation like that: the, the decision to move away from and and drop that requirement to have a live live music, or the fact that people are going out less, and then so that's a reaction from the beverage rooms to say, "Hey, we need a break here because we can't afford to bring in live music any longer." Right. But mm. the end result, I think, guys, is the fact that uh, live music isn't as big a part of the overall scene in Winnipeg and Manitoba like it used to be or am i missing something are there some young bands cutting their teeth in places that uh, we need to know about well i think yeah, there's definitely different approaches to doing this now i think having you know the internet as a platform we would have killed to have that as uh, you know as a young and up and up and coming band but uh so there are different avenues for sure, of course, and, and uh, who really wants to spend six nights a week in a bar anyway? So <laughs> this is a, kind of a blessing a little bit, I think. But uh, yeah, I think Winnipeg is still, it's still per capita, it's, it's the music capital of Canada still. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think there's just they've found different ways. They will find a way. And I think they have found different ways of, of getting out there and develop, developing themselves. Because, yeah, really, a lot of the times, uh, you know, six nights a week, you, you learn what songs work, what songs don't work. And uh, uh, it, it really is a is it's an education for sure. And to to get somebody to hop on stage after, you know, not really ever doing that, and, but having success uh it, it can be really, really a quick learning curve. And and the people that can do that are the ones that are, are popping through. So, Brent, maybe draw some parallels in the idea of what, what the kids are going to experience in the UK and getting mentorship from people who've do- been down the road of where maybe they'd like to go one day. It would probably would have been nice to, to have, or maybe you can acknowledge some of your mentors along the way that have helped you get where you wanted to get in terms of music. Yeah, well, that's that's a big part of of this trip for these guys is to is to experience soccer or football, as they call it over there, in a different uh, cultural setting. Uh, you know, where it's, it has a a, a big like uh, I often relate it to hockey here, where yeah, uh, you know, like we're really immersed in the hockey culture. I find that soccer has really picked up here, but it it is not it's sort of not at the same level as it is in other countries. And I think um, being so immersed in the culture is one of the things that, that, you know, it's a great experience for them to go see what that's like, you know, different perspective. And as far as how, you know, in a long winded way to get back to the, what you were asking before about, about, um, you know, mentors, I think a, a large part for me and why I, I'm, I'm not originally from Winnipeg, but I moved here specifically because there was such a vibrant music scene, like Dave said, musical capital. And people talk about all oh, these famous bands from Winnipeg and musicians and it's cold. So everybody practices, but, you know, it really comes down to uh, with the music side of things was Winnipeg. I don't know if it was because they had that law. It just, I, I went to other cities and I just was like, I found Winnipeg to be exceptional for being able to work, network, play, meet people. And a lot of people that, you know, I listened to growing up were based out of here and I got to go, you know, play with them and stuff like that as, as an up and coming, you know, kid on the scene and everything. And, and uh, Winnipeg was an exciting place for music and that's what brought me here. So uh, anyway, that's, that's my correlation. <laughs> Cowboys as a venue for live music is is great. Have you ever played there, Dave? Yeah, we actually used to play there. That used to be one of our stops. So four nights a week we'd play, well, a lot of the Canada What's it called back then? Uh, it was called Stardust. Oh, right the at, Stardust Saloon. Yeah, yeah. that's oh right. Goodness. Yeah, it's, it, what's, it, it was Boogie, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights and yeah. <laughs> the Coliseum. Did, were you ever there when it was, when it was a Coliseum? No, when you I walked don't in, you, they, they had this this greeting inside, and you walk in and say, Welcome to the Coliseum. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It's really? But, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, but, wow. but the venue has always been a cool spot, regardless yeah. of its incarnation. It's a great for place to see bands, for sure. I, I've is, seen yeah. a few there now. I've, I went and saw Sloan, uh, a bunch years ago uh dirks bentley was there which was really fantastic show they, they put on some really great great shows there and actually during the ccmas when they were in winnipeg here in 2008 i believe uh we played a, a showcase down there just as a manitoba showcase and and uh it, it was one of our best shows ever we still remember that just 
very fondly. I can hear everybody yelling at the radio. It was the Diamond Club before that. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was north, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> it was Night Moves. Night Moves. Night moves. Oh, yes. Diamond Club was in the north, That's right? Correct, yeah. yeah. Thank Phillips. you. Almost yeah. the exact same room, though. They, yes. they were yeah, built very like similar. Thank you, Brent. Venues, I appreciate yeah. that. Yes, of course. Uh, not that I was in either of those places sure. ever hey. watching uh, <laughs> I'll tell you great good, rock uh, and roll. Diamond but Story. A diamond. Uh, what's uh, what was it called? Diamond. What? Diamond Club. Diamond yeah, Club. Diamond yeah, Club. the Diamond Club. Uh, I was up there um, one time. I got a call. I said, "Hey, can you uh, can you guys play we, emergency basis?" And so I I went, "Yeah." Or the band I was in at the time. This is many years ago. Uh, ran up to the Diamond Club to set up and go play because they had fired the band that was playing there that night. I think I know. No. The, I think I know the Do band. You know who the band is? <laughs> was it the Tragically Hip? Yeah, you was. got it. So uh, yeah, we went. Played because the tragically hip got fired. Get out! Yeah, seriously. What was the name of your band back then? What I don't remember you? which one. Oh my word! <laughs> I know that's so. I really put you on the spot there. Bands, I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. But hey, that's that my something? that's a funny story. Oh, huh? oh, I love that claim to fame. Well, thanks you guys. Uh, of thanks. course, thanks to Doc Walker for uh, putting on uh, this show. I'll be there uh, tomorrow night. Can't wait to see it. For those that uh, don't have tickets yet but would like to come, how do they? How do they get tickets? Well, uh, you can get them online at www.docsoccersocial.eventbrite.ca. And, uh, yeah, the tickets will probably be available at the door as yeah. well. And we're going to play later, too, because there's a Jets game on tomorrow. We're going to wait till all the people from the Jets game can come by, too. And also, music literally yeah. to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And also just wanted to mention that uh, there is going to be a, a gigantic silent auction as well. Oh, yeah. that's a given, isn't it? Yeah, tri- you know, it's typical for right? a social thing, yeah, but there's some killer prizes and lots of really great stuff, so... I just wanted to a make trip sure to that Churchill's we one of them. Yeah, that's yeah. A, Oh my God. Yeah. Dolphin <laughs> Country prize. Fest uh, pa- weekend passes. A jets package. A yeah. Jets package with a team signed jersey. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, really great stuff. Now I'm not allowed to come to the social <laughs> tomorrow night. Jack. He's going to put the kibosh on me even going in the room. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. You okay, bet. Thank Thanks you very much. Dave Wasalu, Brent Perrin from Doc Walker. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.